This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. I'm Liz Gill, in for Kevin Farrell. Our expert hosts are Dex, Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. On Money Talks, we answer your personal finance questions. In addition... Today, we're talking about financially preparing for an emergency. If you have a question or a comment this morning, you can send an email with your questions to money at mpbonline.org. To start the show each week, we talk about financial news in the news. Gang, I am so glad to be here with you today. Nancy, what's on your mind this morning? Well, glad to have you back with us, Liz. Uh, We've missed you. Um, I'm going to start on a personal note since we've had lots of storms through Mississippi. And uh, we were actually gone and got a phone call Friday morning from a neighbor who said, guess what? We lost two big trees in our yard. Now, thankfully, they didn't fall on our house. Sadly, they fell on our neighbor's house. And it was just like, oh, yeah, we felt so bad. And, and, of course, they were in the house at the time. It was early in the morning. Everybody was fine. But it's a bit of a mess. But along with that came an education about how property insurance works. We thought at least we had to clean up the trees. But apparently the in, your property insurance stops at your property line. And so our insurance will only cover the cleanup of the tree to the property line, and our neighbor's insurance has to cover the cleanup that's uh, the tree that's on his roof right now. Mm-hmm. And of course, we each have to face deductibles. And with all the storms coming through, you know, your homeowner's ins- insurance is something you don't often think about, but you need to at least once a year pull it out, look at it. We're each facing deductibles at this point and trying to figure out what it covers and what it won't cover what your liability is when you're dealing with something like this, because this is just, you know, an act of God. Yikes. Yeah, we had a branch go through our roof, too. Oh, no. Yikes. Oh, that's really great. That highlights some of the things that I wanted to make sure that we cover. I know we have in in the list, but um, I do want to share a separate anecdote, which is not my own anecdote to share. There's nothing that economic observers love more than anecdotes. Uh, Liz just got back from a cruise. Nancy, we've been talking about people taking these once-in-a-lifetime trips, people spending a lot. She was just telling me, she didn't actually put numbers to it, but she was telling me that some of her excursions were actually more expensive than the entire crew. Yeah, that's how so, they get it. So uh, these, these things are, ha- people are spending money on those experiences that travel. Um, 
And I was looking, Carnival and Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines, their stock prices have almost doubled this year, even though they're not even back to profitability. Um, As Liz was explaining, the cruises are super cheap, but they have fees and excursions. And and again, that's how they get you. So uh, the people are spending on that, including some of the people in this conversation today. Desire beware, right? (laughs) It, it, It is. And, you know, you have to decide what your budget is. And, you know, I don't know how many times you have to hear the word budget to actually make a budget, but you have to think, you know, what is your budget with these cruises? Where's your spending cap? Right. You know, a lot of things are included. There's so much included in a cruise. You do not have to spend one extra penny. But, you know, you're going somewhere and, you know, you want to go there, but you want to do things when you get there. So that costs. They have all these wonderful restaurants on these cruise ships. But if you want to go to Jamie Oliver's Italian Kitchen, you know, that costs extra. And you think, oh, I'm on vacation. I'll have a frilly tropical drink. Well, that's absolutely that's either $15 a drink or $60 a day. Wow. So it can start to add up. Something happens on vacation. I call it that vacation mindset where you think, okay, I've had I have this budget. I've worked this all out. But you reach a point where you think I'm never coming back here. Maybe again, I might as well just throw caution to the wind. Right. That, that's exactly what we did. We went to Alaska. I'm from Mississippi. I don't know where I'm going to uh, Alaska yeah. again. So, you know, we went, while we're up there, there's this glacier. I wanted to go see the glacier. So, you know, that was our, uh, our extra fee. But, you know, we went with a family. There were seven of us. So it was just uh, a, a memories of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So we treated and it as such. That's what we know from research as far as, you know, does money bring happiness? Where it brings the most happiness is when you spend on um, building memories and uh, having adventures and having those with people you care about. Well, and then this, that, bring, that comment leads me right into what my financial news. I just noticed the term dupes. Products that are dupes. And I guess they aren't. Sure, for duplicate. They aren't, yeah, they aren't counterfeit products. I guess the old school term would be knockoffs. They aren't made to look exactly like an expensive designer item, but they function or give the idea of the uh, exclusive high priced items. You know, there are apps that search uh, for dupes, and they could be for um, specific products. You know, I think Dyson, you know, revolutionized kind of the vacuum cleaner industry. So now they have kind of cheaper knockoff. Well, not knockoff. You just said they're not knockoffs. knockoffs. They're um, uh, generic brand Dyson. Exactly. And then also of beauty products, dupes. Why spend $30 a bottle on some kind of serum when you could go to a a pharmacy or a a, a drugstore and get a $10 bottle of, of something? And I think, you know, it goes towards 
where do you want your money to go towards? Do you feel the name brand product for whatever reason is worth the name brand price? Or is a, a, a dupe, a recreation, a similar item to that uh, extra expensive item, is that worth it to you? Well, I will say, um, if you look at luxury brand sales, they're doing very well because, for the most part, people love the status items. Mm-hmm. And and just thinking, you know, we mentioned you mentioned uh, Dyson and so uh, consumer electronics sort of things. One thing to consider when you're looking at kind of your less expensive brand is what is the reliability and what is you know do they have warranties or guarantees that kind of match. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you see even better warranties or guarantees on the less expensive product, and that might make it worth it. But you, you all just it's so hard to know if uh, am I falling into the trap of I'm going to spend half the amount, but I'm going to have to buy it more often or not. Well, and that's, you know, that's certainly thing if you if you think about um, maybe uh, outerwear or rubber boots, you know, you, I I, I keep having this picture of like the the queen of england uh marching through the muck in some uh you know wellington rubber boots that uh she's probably she probably had for 40 years but they cost a pretty penny versus somebody else's cheaper brand that the the seams wouldn't hold up so there is a a trade off at some point where a well-made, expensive item could last longer, but does a Louis Vuitton wallet hold your money any better than a Walmart brand? Mm. But when you pull it out, when you pull it out of your purse, though, and everybody sees it's does, Louis Vuitton, that's it, what we're after, isn't it? Does it make it make you feel like you have more money left in your wallet or less money left in your wallet? Who knows? Who knows? You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org. It's just one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hey, that's also a great way to talk to us. If you click that menu button, you have a list of all the shows and you can Talk to us and let us know what your questions are for each of our shows or the MPB as a whole. I'm Liz Gill, along with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are here to answer your personal finance questions. And today we're also talking about creating an emergency fund. Okay, Nancy, how many times do you think a person needs to hear have an emergency fund before it actually sinks in and they create one? Oh, I think it takes an emergency for you to suddenly say, gosh, I really wish I had a little extra cash to cover this. Um, because we forget about those things. That's just part of life. You know, like tree that came down in my yard mm. means we have to pay that deductible. Our neighbor has to pay that deductible. That money has to be at the ready. And for him in particular, it gets 
it needs to get done right then. You can't wait. And so things happen. Uh, you need tires for the car. The air conditioner breaks down. Um, something happens with the kids. You have a health care crisis. This is all just part of living. We don't always account for it. So I would say for most people, you have to have that event for you to really for it to really sink in that I need to keep some extra cash around. So what what kind of emergencies are predictable, Ryder? I, I don't I don't know that any of them are exactly predict they wouldn't really be emergencies if they were predictable, but some things that you can kind of prepare for, easily prepare for, preparing for loss of income, say you may change your job, you may lose your job, um, you may have an accident, which means you can't work for a little while. And one of the things I always think about is what does an emergency actually look like? Uh, it's usually not just, oh, for some reason I needed to spend a little extra money, right? That's not an emergency. That's just that's just keep money on hand for spending. But do you have a, a medical accident, a, a, a house fire, something that causes you to, we were just talking about insurance deductibles, to spend a whole insurance deductible, be that house, auto, uh, health. Uh, also, at the same time as uh, loss of income, that's an emergency. You, you have a couple of things coming together in just, just a bad way for your regular spending. And I would say instead of calling it emergencies, because that makes us think, you know, there's going to be these strange things. That can't that happen. happen to me. Yeah, right, exactly. <clears throat> but to just to call them unusual expenses, because we're used to the usual mm. expenses. You've got to yeah. pay the rent or the mortgage. You've got the utilities. You've got to pay the cable. Uh, you've got to buy groceries. And so we don't always factor in these unusual things that we know are going to happen. Um you know, you know that maybe you're going to have to replace the tires on your car this year sometime. But it still is like, oh, gosh, because that's a big, mm-hmm. lumpy expense. But you just need to be prepared for it. That's why I love uh, listening to MPB is you hear people, people call in like someone's calling in now and they tell you their bizarre stories or you know or you you know you just hear oh a roof you know went a limb went through the roof and you think oh my gosh if that happened to me would i have the the money to to take care of that and it, it you know it it starts ticking off the ideas of what are some kind of uh, emergencies. Mm-hmm. So they remind us of what can happen yeah. out there. And, you know, I, I may not have had a limb come through my roof in uh, what's it been like four years since a limb came through my oh, roof, but somebody might call in. There. I mean, I, I have a friend. Well, Nancy just shared a story. I have a friend who had a limb come through their roof just the other day. And we've got someone call. These are things that really happen. And, and if it doesn't happen to you, but every once in a while, you can forget what it's like and you can forget what you need to do. And it it seems like the folks who need the emergency funds the most are probably the ones that it's the hardest for them to accumulate the money. Well, the other thing that happens if you don't prepare for those unusual things, those emergencies, what often happens with folks is they fall back on credit cards. And then that's where they get into what I call the credit card ditch, because now you can't get out. 
Now you're trying to service that credit card debt out of your regular funds that you get every month when you work, and you haven't prepared for these things. So that gets you caught, and that's not a good place to be, especially with interest rates as they are. So let's remind everybody, uh, how much do you need in an emergency fund? Oh, enough to cover the emergency. No, we it it depends. We often say three to six months of your expenses. I often like to add in again, thinking about what an emergency look like. Looks like if you have steady income and generous benefits, and you're not going to lose your income if something very bad happens. Maybe it's okay if you're on the shorter end of that, and you have very low insurance deductible. It's very low out-of-pocket expenses in an emergency, then you may not need quite as much as other people, and you can be more aggressive towards your other goals. But if you have income that fluctuates, a job that is not steady, uh, you have a high-deductible health insurance plan where you're going to have to pay $5,000 out-of-pocket before they even kick in with anything, then you need you need at least that $5,000. And you also need to think, what other things am I going to need to be taken care of? I'm going to need to take care of my mortgage or rent. I'm going to need to take care of these obligations type expenses. You can't get out of paying paying loans. You can't get out of paying utilities. There are, in many places and in many cases, uh, help for people who are in emergencies for paying those. But again, being able to take care of that on your own is going to be very important. So three to six months, it's a very broad, impersonal piece of advice. But Think expenses and think, of course, what else will go along with that emergency? What will it take to get you whole from there? Well, and that's the goal. But, you know, for many people, they think about that goal and think there's no way I can make it. Right. So we just say, well, start small. Work your way up to maybe $1,000. Because $1,000 can cover a lot of things, not as much as it could before all the inflation, but it can cover a lot of things. And if that means maybe setting aside $100 a month until you get to that point, once you get to 1000 then work your way up to the next goal, maybe 3000 And if you just make it a discipline, you're going to be in that spot where you have enough money. Now, the other thing that we run into with folks is they have an emergency fund, and then they don't want to spend it. I'm like, well, that's, I mean, that's what good. it's for. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have a question about an emergency fund or any financial question, we'd love to take your call. Just like John, let's go to the phones and speak with John from Memphis. John, we're so glad you've called in to Money Talks today. What's your comment or question? Okay. Thank you for taking my call. Enjoy your show very much. I have a question about the Mississippi homestead law. If you have, say, a medical emergency, uh, is your home protected from seizure for medical bills in Mississippi? And that's my question. Yes. So like in a bankruptcy situation or what creditors have access to, there is a dollar amount of homestead. So don't quote me on that. I I know we've had... um, we have had shows with bankruptcy attorneys. Uh, I believe Frank Coxwell was the last one to come on in the last few months. And I, I believe he addressed that specifically. But yes, in a that would be quite the emergency, a bankruptcy. Then yes, some part of your home, if not the whole thing, is protected as are particular accounts of yours. Typically your IRAs, your 401ks, your retirement type accounts have some protection as well. 
And I think the amount is around 80000 That's you know, that may have changed, adjusted uh, with some inflation. That's a few years ago that I looked at that. Now, that's not 80000 of value. That's 80000 of the equity of your ownership. So you may have a, a larger valued home, but you have a lot of debt on it. So the, the protection is on what you actually own. Oh, okay. And uh, you said IRAs are protected, retirement accounts are protected? Generally, yes. I see. Okay. What about a spouse's property? If, a, you know, say one spouse had an accident of some sort, went in the hospital, had huge bills, is the uh, the assets of the spouse safe or are they commingled, I guess you'd say? I think it's going to depend on how is the property registered, how did it come to you. Um, we have a lot of situations where uh, a married couple may have some inherited assets coming to one spouse. If you keep it totally separate, then it can be considered totally separate. But again, we're not lawyers, but yeah. I do encourage you to talk with a bankruptcy attorney yeah. to get some of the details. Look at the bankruptcy law in Mississippi. You mentioned you're in Memphis. Do you live in Mississippi or do you live in Tennessee? Oh, I live in Mississippi. And it was okay. this is just hypothetical question. Mm-hmm. So uh, I appreciate your information. Though. Very yeah, helpful. those will be great for the legal show coming up next because it's also going to uh, matter how that liability is incurred. Say, is it bankruptcy or are you being sued for an accident on the property or are you being sued for something that you may have caused outside of the property? There's all sorts of things. Some of that is going to be strictly by the law or by the contract. But uh, as I'm sure our uh, the lawyers, our legal experts coming up next can attest, that uh, it's all going to depend on the case as well. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate hearing the information. Thanks for calling. Thanks, John. Yes, ma'am. So let's tick off some of these things. What are some emergencies or eventualities, you might even say? Oh, my eventuality Eventualities (laughs) that need to be prepared for. Sure. So, so some of the ones like this happen this weekend. A storm comes through, and we usually do have storm preparedness, especially during hurricane season. We want to talk about that. But there are also things where you may be, where you say you are the going to be the primary caregiver for aging parents and something happens to them that is expensive and maybe it needs to be covered entirely or maybe someone needs to cover it before insurance or uh, Medicare kicks in, things like that. Uh, Funding education, not really an emergency, but can be a very expensive thing that pops up and it may be more or less expensive than you imagine. You were thinking, oh, they're getting scholarships to Mississippi State and it ends up they're going somewhere very expensive with scholarships who knows well even just high school they they can nickel and dime you (laughs) in elementary school with all those school supplies there you go so uh things like that are maybe you're thinking oh an emergency i'm in a car wreck or my house burns down yes those are real emergencies but emergencies can be a little more a little more common but not something that doesn't happen frequently or in a planned for way And, you know, we're facing our first named storm out there in the Gulf and in Mississippi. We always want to prepare for hurricanes. Um, In my house, we just don't keep cash as much anymore. And I think it's important 
if you're in one of those zones, to have a little bit of cash on you because the power may be down, the internet service may be down. You may not be able to pay for things unless you have actual greenbacks. So keep a little cash on hand, and that's a lesson for myself, too. I guess, oh, gosh, I feel old. Way back in Katrina times, you know, I remembered uh, the lines at the gas station and when they their credit cards were down. So yeah. you could only get gas if you had the cash. So that'll be th- things the young'uns will need to uh, to learn from people who have lived through things. Keep some things you can you can barter with, you know. Oh, there you go. Ba- bag like, bag like, of carrots. I don't I don't know what do people barter with these. Toilet things? paper it <laughs> used to be. Yeah, trade. <laughs> what how what's the exchange rate? One roll of toilet paper, one gallon of gas. I mean, that could be a deal to some folks. Go around with like an internet hotspot, sell off your Wi-Fi. Huh? There you go. There Find some desperate kids who are out of data. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. I'm Liz Gill, along with Dr. Nancy Lautridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder also holds a certificate of investment performance measurement from the CFA Institute. Nancy and Ryder are ready to answer your personal finance questions. We have also been talking about financially preparing for an emergency. Let's go to hear what Neil from Mobile has to say. Neil, thanks for joining us today. What's your comment or question? Hi, yeah, um, I love the show. Um, great, great to hear it. Um, Cautionary tale, really. I mean, I, I have, or should I say, I had an emergency fund, and I have responsibilities in the UK, in the UK and the US. So I, without sharing too much information, I had ten thousand savings in the UK and about five, six here. Um, in January this year, my uh, the co-owner of a property I had in London died. So, as a consequence of that, I had to rent it out. When we were going through the process of renting it out, it turned out I needed a lot of work doing on that property. And I spent all the 10000 I had saved up in the UK, plus um, basically most of my money saved in the US Um, and when I was doing that I was saying to my wife you know this is going to leave us pretty exposed financially if anything else happens Um, and sure enough (laughs) I mean we had to spend the money because we needed the property repairing and bringing up to the code so that we could rent it out and get the income but while we were doing that one of the cars we had, the radiator uh, started to leak and we had to have that replaced. And the other car, somebody backed into, and it's a write-off. So we're really struggling. Uh, but it, I mean, we'll, we're okay, we'll make it. But it's a, a cautionary tale, an underlining how important it is, that message you just given about having some savings and having an emergency fund. 
And as they say, it 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 doesn't yeah. rain; it pours. You know, sometimes when one thing goes bad, it just seems like all the dominoes seem to fall, and more things yep. happen. And that's a good point about other emergencies. It was nothing really you would normally think, but a a, a business partner, a partner in a property passed away, just changing yeah. that whole situation. So changing some business relationship, uh, changing some property ownership relationship. Uh, I was thinking you were going to say you were forced to buy out the property and goodness gracious. I mean, um, but yes, those are all sorts of emergencies happen. Yeah. So life, life. You're right. Life happens, and you either you're ready for it or you're in trouble. Basically. Well, Neil, we appreciate you calling in, and and maybe your uh, will have some uh, uh, words will resonate with someone. Nancy. Yeah. Um, I was just going to mention. You know, he's talking about a rental property, and so many times we have people we work with who are landlords who want to be landlords who talk about, well, I'll just rent this property. But this points out with having rental property means you often face what I call lumpy expenses. So you're bouncing yeah. along, you collect the rent, somebody moves out, something happens, uh, the sewer line needs to be replaced, um, a heating unit needs to be replaced. Those are big things. So if you're in that type of business, it's even more important to have an emergency fund and to have a larger amount of money set aside to prepare for that. And then I'd also say, Neil, you know, they come in threes, don't they? And you certainly face that, yeah. But if you're disciplined and even if you have used up all of your savings and have to fall back on credit cards, then just make a plan to pay those off within a few months and get yourself back to a saving plan so you can build up the emergency fund again. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Neil. Yes, it, it does, and we're glad you enjoy our program. You know, when we talk about emergencies, of course, you you need the cash, but you also might need to take stock of your other assets. Yes, and so one of the things that Nancy brought up at the top of the call is something that I like to talk about is the value of having a strong community, the value of having people you can lean on, be they experts in some field who are able to give you advice at a crucial time or neighbors who can call you and tell you, hey, I know you're out of town for the next week, but you have a hole in your roof and I'm going to get someone to help take care of that. Or uh, in the example of friends of mine who had a limb fall through a part of their roof, but were able to get some friends to help clean off their roof and put a tarp on it on a weekend, on a holiday weekend, uh, while everyone else was calling the roofers, they were able to, to at least get something taken care of while they could assess the situation and get a reliable roofer to come out and give a quote. So they're not able to, to take care of everything for them, but able to at least ease that and make it so that you don't have to make a rush decision. You don't have to fall victim to, you know, the folks, we always talk about scams in the wake of natural disasters. You don't have to fall victim to someone, you know, knocking on your door saying, oh, hey, I'll fix that. No problem. Just go ahead and give me $500 up front and I'll take the rest of it later and later never arrive. So having a community, and I know even last year when we had our first child having uh 
having people who could fix a meal for us or come by and do just a small task for us was just immensely valuable. And if we live somewhere where we didn't have a, a, a close knit group of friends or not even a close knit group of friends, friends or family who could who could support us, then it just would have been a lot harder. It would have been a lot more expensive. And it, it just it helps so much to have that strong community. That's a great point. That just means you need to invest in social connections. Yeah, and it, and it also means do those things for your friends. Um, so there are a lot of limbs, a lot of trees down in the neighborhood. I was able to cut up some limbs for some neighbors. Um, I was not oh, going to. you just like using I the love using the chainsaw. I wasn't going to approach the trees that have power lines under them, though. I know better than that. Um, and I also love being able to cook a meal when I hear that a friend or a neighbor you know, was in the hospital or had a spouse die or, or anything happen where they just, I know they just don't have the, 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 the space and the time and, uh, for it themselves. And it's not that it's not that I'm saving them a million dollars. It's not that this is a part of their financial plan that's going to generate such a great return. But it's it is it is really important. And it, and, it, and it fits that need that day in that moment so well. Well, and knowing what your emergency assets are, you know, how did that make you how did that make you feel, Ryder, when you had a, a newborn baby and, you know, someone said, I know y'all are busy here. Here's a lasagna. Oh, yeah, that was really great. And lasagna is that is one of my go to like good, easy to fix because, yeah, yeah if, if you don't if you don't eat it today, you can stick it in your, your fridge or your freezer uh, and, and it can go a long way. But not just being able to lean on a community in these, you know, super trying times, for instance, but having a resilient budget, having a resilient lifestyle, that's something we talk about. Because we talk about a lot of times you hear, oh, I need three to six months of my salary or, well, we say three to six months of your expenses. So if your budget is such that you know in an emergency you wouldn't need to spend as much, then your need to save is a little bit less. And I'm not saying oh, use this to oh, just cut corners or anything. But if you look at your budget and you're like, well, gosh, I spent a, if I was in an emergency, I wouldn't be spending X dollars on travel. I wouldn't be spending X dollars on this discretionary stuff. So if your budget uh, is, you know, you're really honed in on what your real needs are, that helps. Uh, also, your lifestyle. I know we live in a very rural state, so this isn't always possible. But if you live... If an emergency involves your car being totaled like our last caller was, well, if you don't live near a grocery store, if you don't live near your neighbors, that's a lot harder for you to take care of those things. I live it's it's a little bit of a walk, especially given how hot it is and how humid it's been. But I did walk to the grocery store the other day. I was very sweaty. I got ice cream. Um but it's. It, Did you eat it before you got home? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole point. You know, it's it's like a test of my my budget's resiliency. Is can I get to the uh, can I get to the grocery store? Can I get to X Y Z uh, without needing a car? Without needing to call in someone for a ride? Um, but also, that's another use of of having neighbors is someone who can just just take you to the Walmart to get what you need uh, when you're in, in, in need. Well, Nancy, and that goes to what you say. 
if you have an emergency, you need to rely and withdraw some of that uh, emergency collateral. That social capital. Yes. Yeah, whether it's social capital or drawing actually from your emergency cash fund, um, don't be afraid to do that. That's what it's designed for. That's what you need it there for. And so that also means you don't need to have your emergency fund invested in long-term securities. They don't need to be in stocks or mutual funds or exchange-traded funds. They need to be in a money market account, a savings account. Um, They don't even need to be locked up in CDs because you never know when that emergency is going to happen. It could happen in between the maturity dates and you don't want to suffer penalties. That money needs to be totally accessible. And we run into this all the time with people who built up a good emergency fund, but they see the returns on the market and they get enticed by that. And shouldn't I put that money in the market? Won't it be earning more there? And that was especially the case when we saw money markets and savings paying less than 1%. Uh, It's a little easier now to get them to leave it alone. But you don't need to take that short-term money and push it into long-term investments. Be careful with that. Ryder, you threw out the word resilient budget. Just kind of give us a, a vocabulary. What does a resilient budget mean? Yeah, resiliency, being able to kind of handle what life throws at you. So a resilient budget means you know you have, again, in an emergency, you have either lower cost alternatives or you have fewer needs. So working in particular, think about your really fixed expenses. And I'm talking debt obligations, utilities where you know, my, I can I can work a little bit, I can turn the lights off a little quicker, but my electric bill is going to come and I'm going to have to pay that if Especially I want electricity. Now, right? Especially now, right? I can, I can turn the thermometer up, just the thermostat up just a little bit, but it's going to be real sweaty real quick. Um, so those things, those obligations where you've worked really hard to reduce those prices, uh, keeping them as low as possible. So your mortgage payment is is you've got a good mortgage, it's a, a, a low rate. I mean not it's not a lot you can do about that right now, but that's the importance of, you know, always kind of, you know, paying attention to those things in your annual financial review, making sure you are doing what you can to keep your utility costs low uh, and that you know, even if you're not spending, you know, just scraping the barrel and eating rice and beans every night, you know that you can do things like that. Uh, Absolutely in a non-emergency situation, please enjoy your, please enjoy yourself and please enjoy the meals that you prepare yourself. But knowing that you can do that, it is resiliency in both your budget and that is resiliency in your lifestyle as well. So uh, we've talked about emergency funds this hours this hour. What are some tips to get your emergency fund started? I think what Nancy pointed out earlier is the when we say oh three to six months of expenses plus deductibles that's a that's a goal that's a long term goal and probably once you hit it those numbers are going to change anyway but start small if you have zero dollars saved just try to save fifty dollars this month and then aim to save a thousand dollars and again a target so you're putting a few dollars in every month 
And one of the things that getting into that habit of saving money, getting into the habit of I got paid, I'm immediately moving $150 over into my savings account. Getting into that habit is what's going to be so, so important, again, for helping build some resiliency into your budget. Uh, So make small intermediate step goals and just focus on getting there, uh, getting there first. Well, whatever your goal is, and let's go back to Neil, who said he had $10,000 set aside. If that is your goal and you got to 12000 then you could move $2,000 over to a longer-term investment. If you have some bigger things that come along and now that 10000 is down to 7000 you need to work to build it back up because the goal will always be to keep the goal Mm -hmm. of whatever needs to be in your emergency savings account and keep it at that amount and know it's going to fluctuate with maybe life is good and things are are not happening. But, you know, there's always going to be something that pops up. And when that does, again, don't worry about it. That's why you've got that money there. Spend it down and then work to build it back up. I know uh, our regular host, Kevin Farrell, has mentioned this before, and it certainly has applied in my life. Sometimes you you just need to be told things over and over and over and over again. And I, I think, you know, having the emergency fund works hand in hand with having a budget. And so if you, you need to know where your money is going so that you know how much you can hang on to and how much you can can sock away. Uh, Nancy, talk a little bit about about having an emergency fund in your budget. Well, and and budget tends to be a really awful word. It's a bad word. <laughs> you know, we used to have Chris on the show. He would say it's it's a spending plan, and that's a better way to look at it. And I think for most people, they don't really pay attention every month to every single expense, uh, every item coming in and going out, but occasionally looking at what do you spend on an average month and what does it cost you to live. And then if you can build into that two things that I think you need to build into it, um, you need to build in savings. And if you can save at least 10%, whether it's through your company retirement plan or some combination of the company retirement plan and your emergency fund, and then another 10% that you basically decide, I'm giving this away. And uh, just reminding us it's not always just about us. So that forces you to then live on that 80%. And once you get into that habit, actually following that budget on a tight basis is not necessarily, but a lot of people just like to do that. I'm not one of those. Well, and uh, I'm going to, both of you can claim this or, or point fingers at the other. I've heard you each say, if you get a raise or if you get come into a little extra money, don't just go ahead and start uh, uh, putting spending that. Use that to kind of put some away. Absolutely. That's uh, a raise. That's an amount of money that you didn't have before. So you get up, I'm just going to say 4% raise. Try putting an extra 2% into savings. Maybe, maybe some of that's going into your retirement savings. Maybe some of that's going into your emergency savings. But 
what have you, you're still getting to enjoy your your raise, enjoy a slightly higher standard of living, but also you are continuing uh, to to bolster your own financial situation. And gosh, we have we've run out of time, but you two have given so much fantastic financial information over the years. And at MPB, we have just tried our gall darndest to make all that information available for folks to listen to again and again and again and again. So if this is something you think you want to pursue a little bit more, please find our podcasts on our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, or that MPB public media app is fabulous. You can find all of our past recordings there. Thank you, Ryder. Thank you, Nancy. I've been so glad to be with you today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio and is funded in part by the generous financial support of our listeners. To hear today's show, visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Listen to our podcast. Just search for Money Talks. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Ryder Taff, I am Liz Gill. Join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. for Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.